From deep in the heart of Texas, it's time to chain fire some freedom with another episode of the Clover Tack Podcast. Listen in as we have a conversation with people from the firearm industry and community. Are you ready for the show? We are too. Let's go. What's up, crew? It is uh, October 25th, 2023, and time for another Clover Tack Podcast, powered by our friends over at Monstrum Tactical. We'll talk a little bit about uh, those, a little more about those guys here in just a second. Uh, we've got uh, Top Shot Chris hanging out in the uh, green room back there. I'm not real sure how many times uh, Chris has been on the show. It's been several, so definitely we'll have um, a lot to talk about. Speaking of uh, a lot to talk about, one of the reasons we record these live is so if you are out if i can talk if you are out there live in the audience you can uh, ask questions and that sort of thing Uh, also though if you are in the wondrous replay world uh, you can participate uh, just as easily down in the comments below wherever you're at the audio world uh, and i get the reason why but the audio world doesn't get nearly the love as far as comments that i think it probably should I want to mention that we are proud members of the Firearms Radio Network, so head on over uh, after this, of course, to firearmsradio.net. Check out all the other cool podcasts uh, going on over there if you're into a firearms, firearm culture, 2A, freedom, and everything in between. uh, You'll find something uh, that you like over there on Firearms Radio Network. Uh, And then also a big thanks, big shout out to the Patreon patrons and the YouTube channel members, we love you guys. Got a daily vlog that'll be dropping a little bit later today uh, for those folks. Really been enjoying the daily vlogs uh, and doing that stuff uh, kind of behind the scenes for the, the patrons and the channel members. Uh, yeah, Monstrum Tactical before we get Chris in here. And one thing that I often overlook on this podcast with Monstrum Tactical is the flashlights. And somebody brought that to my attention the other day. And uh, uh, I'm not going to mention... Uh, the brand that I am a big fan of and have been for many, many years. But uh, it was talking about those. They said, hey, have you played around with any of the uh, flashlights from Monstrum Tactical? I'm like, you know what? Got a lot of the Monstrum optics. Got rings, got mounts, got all the cool things uh, that they have. The red dots, the prism scopes, the LPVOs. Don't have any of the flashlights. So, uh, But they do offer them over there, along with a litany of all the other budget-minded optics and other things. Uh, so... Make sure you uh, go over there, jump over there, check out what they've got, see if anything's the right fit for you. And more importantly, if you see them out there on the socials, uh, tell them that we say thank you for uh, supporting the podcast here. So um, let's get uh, let's get Chris in the house, man. What's happening, dude? Hey, hey, I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing good, man. Lo- yeah. Long time no talk to. The last time, I think the last time I talked to you, we were... You were, I should say, um, you were moving some dirt, basically. Uh, you were doing some, uh, some heavy equipment operation. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, I uh, bought a skid steer and a, uh, a mini excavator yeah, a few years ago. And so my husband and I, we've just been enjoying moving dirt from one place to another. And I think the main thing that <clears throat> I'm assuming you and I were talking about uh, was I was uh, building my own shooting range on yeah. my property. Oh, yeah, really? so it's yeah. it's uh, it's up and running. It's been really fun hosting, you know, not just industry, uh, but friends and family, you know, at, at the uh, at my private range. And I got to tell you, if you ever have a chance to build your own private range, you 
definitely need to do it because it takes so many excuses right out of uh, why you can't practice and you just you just have a range in your backyard and it, it's awesome and it's a lot of fun well and um you know i i'm i'm real quick to say i was gonna say it saves money i don't know that that's the case with the with the original building with the upkeep with you know everything that goes on I, my range i need about what about i don't know maybe 700 800 worth and that's that's kind of like you that's using my own equipment and my own labor and that sort of thing uh that's just for the lumber and the concrete and the whatever other things i need probably about 800 dollars worth of worth of stuff worth of materials right um of course that's over a course of many years that that's degraded to the point i need it but uh there's definitely upkeep and everything when you have your own range oh, but sure. you're right you're right in that t it takes away but it also goodness sometimes it can can uh, cost you money because you burn way more ammo and you can just walk out there and <laughs> make it happen yeah, if you're at a public range and uh, you've only paid for an hour or two for a lane, right, you obviously can only shoot so much in that time frame. But, right. um, you know, for me, life is all about experiences, of course. And, you know, to be able to shoot on your own land to, and to be able to share that with your friends and family and, and, uh, and industry, you know, colleagues, it, it creates these memories that'll last a lifetime that, you know, I mean, not to say that if you, you can't do this at a public range, it's, you know, uh, but it's just harder, right? If it's a, right. a public range versus, you know, if I'm hosting, you know, friends over my place, you know, after one shooting, we, you know, barbecue, we, you know, just exactly have drinks and stuff and hang out. And, um, and it's easier, right? We save a lot of time. I mean, for me, like that's, Oh, yeah. That's one of the, the main things is, you know, the closest range to me is about 35 minutes away. And, you know, so an hour, 10 minute, you know, round trip drive, you know, and then you got to, of course, pack the car and unpack the car and all that time adds up. But, you know, just being able to shoot on my own property, I just, you know, load up. I've got a little golf cart that I throw, you know, my guns and gear and ammo in. And then, yeah, I'll take the right. golf cart, you know, it's a two minute drive, you know, to, to my personal range. So that's saving time and just, you know, creating a really special environment for, uh, for your guests. For me, like that, that's where, yeah, I mean, I, I've put in a lot of my own personal time, like you said, right. Cost for diesel and, 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 but it's all worth it. Right. Also, it's just fun. I mean, right. That's yeah, for that's me, true. it's, it's, uh, it's a really fun hobby, um, to create something you know, out of nothing. So I've, I've really enjoyed that part right. of it too. Well, and you can, and you can custom tailor things to the way you want it. Right. Um, whether that's yardage, whether that's setting up a bay a certain way, you know, um, you can take elements of various ranges, maybe that you've visited over the years and Hey, I like this component and I like the way this, they did this and they did that and kind of combine it all together and have the best of, of every experience you've ever had on a range, which I think is, is pretty neat too. Yeah, yeah, much agreed. And uh, yeah, I've got some steel plates. Um, yes, a shooting, uh, a shooting, a dueling tree. You know, the steel plate rack, and I'm getting a, a clay thrower sometime pretty soon here. So yeah, like nice. I said, it's just uh, kind of just take all the best things that I've I've seen out there, and yeah, throw it in my own private range. It's been great. Right. Now, as far as the unique feature on the range, is there anything that's that's that you would consider unique that you've done out there? Well, um, I think the, well, I have, like I said, I haven't gotten a clay thrower yet, but if you haven't heard of crazy quail, uh, mm -hmm. the crazy quail is, um, it, it's an awesome machine. And what's unique about it is, um, 
it connects to an iPad. And so you can basically create custom games on the Crazy Quail. And so the the thrower itself, it, it rotates 360 degrees, but it also tilts. So it's sort of like sporting clays, um, you know, wherever the Crazy Quail is. So the closest analogy right. I, I, can, uh, I can kind of provide. And, and the Crazy Quail is such uh, an, an awesome machine. Um, yeah, I know the owner Barry and, and, uh, yeah, I, I've just told him like, Hey, for, I've told him for you, I've known him for almost, I don't know, eight, nine, 10 years. And I told him like, whenever I get my own land and I can, you know, build my own range, I want to get a crazy quail. Uh, and yeah, so I should hopefully be getting that in the next, uh, next few months. I'm excited uh, to set it up and, um, right. It's just another fun option to provide, uh, you know, my guests and, and, you know, and for me when I'm shooting out there. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, when I go out and do, um, of course, it's a different part of the property they have to do the shotgunning and stuff on just for area uh, here close to the house, 75 yards and, you know, four or five lane. I mean, it's probably it's probably 25, 30 foot of width I've got, eh, maybe even a little more than that. Um, so not a huge area and most most everything's downrange but can get shoot over the the old pond on the back side of the property that sort of thing um whenever i go out with shotgunning there the the throwers i have all battery operated i mean you have to you have to go that route of course yeah yeah oh yeah <laughs> but uh, uh you know you've got to have uh, and i've got multiples and it's fun to have multiples if you've got when you're by yourself it gets a little tricky uh trying to launch multiples while you're while you're trying yeah, to shoot that. and do other things. <laughs> um, but uh, I've got, and I haven't played with it yet, one of the things I've got, talking about the tech and, the, and some of the stuff similar to what the Crazy Quail uses, uh, none of mine wobble, so none of mine rotate or do anything crazy. You have to set everything up in a at an angle that you want and that sort of thing pretty much is all predetermined. But one of the things that I do have uh, is I've got a Bluetooth adapter for one of them that I have not played yet with yet. Uh, that does kind of what you're talking about. If I had a wobbler, if I had something, then obviously it would control that as well. Uh, but it will control the release through voice command. So with voice mm, command, yeah, nice. Um, it picks up off of a phone, and through voice command, I can make it do certain things. So I can tell it to consecutive throws as fast as it'll, you know, whatever you want to load into the certain pattern of throwing, uh, it will do. So that's, you know. That's kind of neat. I'm looking forward to hopefully the next week or two. It's cooled off here a little bit. So that's my only thing with, with shotgunning. I mean, here I'm in the shade when I'm at, you know, 25, 50, 75 yards. I've kind of designed things that way where I'm sort of shaded with trees or something. Yeah, nice. You get out on the backside and try to do shotgunning, you're in the direct sunlight. And mm. triple digit temperatures, that Oof. sucks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, have you built like a, I don't know, some kind of shade structure? out back or well then i haven't on the uh on the shotgun inside but on the uh you know the range here basically just the static range or whatever you want to call it here at the house um i don't have any type of awnings or anything stuff is just under trees right mm -hmm. like i have i have canopy from trees yeah. basically nice. that the sun kind of kind of is in the southern sky so i've got a southern tree line pretty big southern tree line on the property and, and stuff like that so i can manage shade a little better uh, around here but yeah out there is just absolutely brutal so 
uh, it's really nice when it starts to cool off. Fall and winter is <laughs> uh, it's shotgunning weather around yeah. here, and I look and I look forward to it every year so much because I I, I suck at shotgunning, uh, and I know Top Shot Chris doesn't suck at anything when it comes to shooting, <laughs> but but uh, not Top Shot Chris here. Uh, but I enjoy it so much. It's that's the, so yeah, much, that's the important so part, fun, man. You know, uh, it's it's completely reactionary. Um, I come along, and, and you know this. I come along with basically the precision rimfire world is is kind of you know where uh, my background is, and so all the thinking about oh, think about your breathing and your form, and your uh, you got to worry about your pulse and your side alignment and all this other stuff. And with shotgun, it's like pull, bang, pull, yeah. bang. You don't have time. It's yeah. just it's, <laughs> it's like let's throw it up, cut them down, and have some fun. You know, um, yeah. Yeah, I started my shotgunning world uh, and experience at, at the skeet and the trap range. And, you know, that's, that's a very different paradigm of mm-hmm. it, it, it's right, way more structured. And especially right. with skeet, it's kind of the same thing, right, with with every every pull. Um, you know, trap is a little bit different, but you generally know, well, the, the, the bird's coming out of the center house. Um, right. But, yeah, when I get to sporting clays, yeah, sporting clays is a challenge, uh, especially because you know every hole's different. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm not. Uh, to be frank, yeah, I'm not like used to like the whole like just snap and basically aim and and go. Um, and it's fun though, but that's 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 where the the challenges. And I always like going to to the challenging sports. So yeah, sporting clays, man, it's where it's at. Well, and one of the things I've I've always liked with sporting clays is. You know, and, and shotgunning in general is fun because it's typically fast-paced. Uh, and that's one of the things I like about it. But one of the issues with, with, with sporting clays in particular, five-stand to, to a degree, five-stand is pretty cool. Um, but sporting clays to me is unique because it is a course. So you never know how it's going to be set up. You're walking through the woods. You're in the outdoors. You've got great scenery. Every backdrop is different. It's just the the outdoor experience i guess i don't know how to put it but you probably feel what i'm saying the outdoor oh, experience yeah. is best with sporting glaze yeah it's it's uh one of the few sports that can only be done like or has to be done outside basically um and yeah i mean i feel you i mean there's just nothing there's nothing better than just being outside and yeah i i usually turn my my phone on airplane mode because i don't want to be bothered yeah. you know but by, yep. by the outside digital world when I'm when I'm shooting and uh, yeah just 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 being focused on uh, on having fun like and especially outside is uh, is pretty damn special right yeah um so uh, let's uh, let's kick it off we've been we've been chatting here quite a bit about about shotgunning uh, I want to back up Chris because even though you've been on the podcast several times before and there are people that are crawling out from under a rock for the first time. <laughs> There are people that have probably never watched Top Shot, um, and it's in syndication. You can catch the reruns, folks. So, highly recommended you go do that. It was a very cool series once upon a time. Uh, but um, for folks that may not be familiar with who you are and what you do, and you do a lot of different things, so I'm going to give you plenty of time just to kind of give the rundown of all the different things that you have and currently are involved in. Yeah, sure thing. So, you know, Top Shot was this amazing competition. Uh, shooting competition on the history channel uh i won season four back in 2012 and i'm a self-taught amateur who i, I used to work at google uh, after winning top shot and a hundred thousand dollars cash prize 
and a pro shooting contract with Bass Pro Shops. I ended up quitting my dream job at Google to come into guns full time. And you know, I didn't know anybody in the industry, but that quickly changed. And Bass Pro Shops sent me all across the country. You know, I am a three gunner. And so, uh, you know, running and gunning and just like burning it down. It was just such a fun experience. And I met some of you know, the best people in the firearms community on the three gun circuit. I uh, came back to Silicon Valley in 2015, but uh, still maintained a, a part-time role in the firearms community and industry, uh, focusing mm -hmm. on primarily firearms safety education. Uh, I'm a media personality. You might have seen me on, you know, CNN and Fox News and Wall Street Journal, all the kind of usual suspects. Um, but then, you know, I had a very unique opportunity uh, two years ago to testify in the United States Senate against uh, President Biden's gun control package. And that was um, very unexpected, but um, a, a big honor. And um, my uh, my testimony was, um, you know, pretty, pretty popular um, and was well received by the gun community. And, uh, you know, I played, you know, um, a, a, a part in really slowing down and stopping a lot of these gun control measures that uh, President Biden and the Democrats have been trying to push through. Um, and then uh, I think the last uh, few things to mention um, during the pandemic, you know, there was this extreme rise in racist attacks against Asian Americans and a lot of it being, you know, driven by people who were scapegoating and blaming Asian Americans for COVID. And there were a lot of Asian Americans who were scared for their safety and I and, and others in the gun community were starting to get a lot of questions around how do I learn how to shoot? You know, how do I purchase my, my first gun? And this is coming from a lot of Asian Americans, uh, which historically have had the lowest percentage of gun ownership uh, amongst, amongst the races. And so uh, this was a big, a big change of uh, uh, just something I have not seen in the 11 years, you know, that I've been in the gun community. And so I co-founded a gun organization called the Asian Pacific American Gun Owners Association. Uh, the acronym is APAGOA, as if we don't have uh, enough acronyms in our world. <laughs> but, right. Um, right. APAGOA uh, has been very successful. Um, and, you know, CNN and, and Fox and, you know, a lot of uh, international media as well, the BBC and um, others, they have covered APAGOA and talked about this rise of first time gun ownership amongst Asian Americans. And so, you know, for me, I wanted to be a resource um, for these new shooters and these new gun owners. And so APAGOA has been um, a, a wonderful experience. We participated in the um, United States Supreme Court case, uh, the, the Bruin versus New York uh, State Rifle Pistol Association. This was you know, the landmark Second Amendment case of, of our decade. Um, oh, yeah. And so APAGOA yeah. submitted an amicus brief um, you know, in support of uh, the, the, you know, the gun rights you know, side of the argument, and we won, right? I mean, what a, oh, yeah. what a big victory for the gun community. And I'm really proud that APA GOA was, was uh, really, really involved in that effort. Nice. Uh, we've got uh, quite a bit of, uh, got a couple of questions anyway, and we're going to get to this question. So keep on coming out there. Uh, we will start and we will get to them. Um, 
you know, talking about the organization and we're coming off, you know, discussion of the range and other things. Have there been any live fire, any range events, anything like that going on uh, since the creation of the organization that revolve around the organization itself? Yeah, uh, just uh, in August, we hosted J.J. Ricaza, who's you know a world champion shooter sponsored by Beretta. And uh, there was a yeah, private lessons, uh, like a group clinic, basically, in Florida. Wow. Yeah, I mean, super, super successful. Um, really, you know, J.J. and I are friends. But, you know, that aside, you know, him and Beretta were tremendous proponents of uh you know putting together an event like that with APA GOA um and so uh Beretta's been a very strong uh corporate partner for APA GOA and yeah we're we're in uh active discussions about continuing uh, to put on more events like the one with JJ Ricaza um and then yeah we've had uh, other meet and greets uh, at different ranges uh throughout the country nice. And right, it's just, just like more casual. Right? It's like, hey, like on this day and time, you know, I'll, you know, I, I've been to a few of them, right? And just like, hey, like we're gonna, I'll, I'll, we'll be at the range. Like, come, uh, right. come hang <laughs> out, come, come shoot, come, right. you know, break bread and and have a drink. Um, so you know, everything. So we've done everything from right the um very casual right kind of meetups to the oh yeah okay like you got to plunk down a few hundred dollars if you want to spend, you know, a whole day with a world champion shooter like JJ Ricaza and, and Beretta. And that's ultimately the goal, right? Is we want to provide a variety of experiences, right? For, for members and, and even non-members who, who want to come experience APA GOA and, and support, uh, you know, it's not just about supporting the Asian American community, but it is really about supporting the second amendment community, right? right. And the main yeah. point here is if we're going to win this battle for our second amendment rights, we need to get as many Americans on board with the concept of the second amendment to appreciate it. And as we all know, a big way of doing that is you just got to get people out to the range and mm -hmm. Asian Americans yeah. having the lowest percentage of gun ownership in our country, it's clearly an opportunity, right? For us to be having a different kind of conversation uh, and to be frank, it's a, you know, I, I'm, I'm a diversity advocate, but uh, up until a few years ago, I didn't really think that me being Asian American was uh, anything unique or special. It's just sort of like, well, I don't know, I was born this way. When I'm born, right. I can't do anything about it. Right. Um, but I've learned um, and, and I, get, I think just been a little humbled by the fact that as much as I may not, um, you know, associate my racial like my ethnic background is like a core part of I don't, who i am uh, a lot of people do you know a lot of people yeah. make a lot of decisions about their friends and their social network right their religion you know based on on race like whether whether you like it or not uh, that's just the truth right yeah. and um yeah, and to be very honest, I was a little reluctant at first to form a group like APA GOA, right? I'd say, oh, okay, you know, another gun organization that's like focused <laughs> on like a slice of a demographic. But you have to understand how critically important groups like this are, right? APA GOA uh, for Asian American community. There's the Pink Pistols that I'm uh, I'm on the board of um, for the LGBT community. 
Um, there's the uh, Af National African American Gun Association for, for, for black people. And you know, none of these groups are exclusionary, right? It's like we have Lot, like in all of those groups, like I'm a member of the National African American Gun Association and right. I'm not black. Right. Yeah. But everybody's yeah. welcome. Right. To, to join these organizations, to support them if, if, if you feel so inclined. And this is a big tent initiative. Right. We. Mm -hmm. Right. And then again, back to like if we're going to win our gun rights in the long term, we need to get more people involved. And this is one way, right? It's not the way, but this is just one way sure. of connecting with people who are not either non-traditional gun owners or, uh, I love that comment. I see gun people. That's awesome. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, you know, like most of the time, I think, and maybe you and your listeners have experienced this in your own lives, but I often find that many people are willing to try and experience something new if they are just asked and invited. Yeah. And yeah. especially with guns, there are a lot of Americans who have never shot a gun before and there's a curiosity around it, mm -hmm. but they don't know how to get started. And right. if, if each of us, you know, just one, one person a year, right. If you just think about, you know, we have, approximately like a hundred million gun owners in America. And if we all just invited one person per year, we could be taking a hundred million, you know, people right to the range every single yeah. year. And that's just yeah, like absolutely. asking one person, you know, per year, if they want to go shoot with you and, and all right, more times than not, someone's going to say, yeah, like you're inviting yeah. me to shoot guns. Like, heck yeah, let's yeah. go. You yeah. tell me when and where are you paying for the ammo? I'm there. Yeah, let's go. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, and, and I think it even starts before that. I, I think that I think that a, a first step is that we have to be safe, responsible firearm owners, and we have to be um, we have to be outward advocates for firearm ownership to an extent before those people. First of all, know that we we I think somebody that you don't know, right, or maybe that you don't trust, or maybe that seems weird or dangerous to you. If they asked you to the range, I don't know, that, that could potentially put some people off. So I think there's a certain element of trust involved there with, with those folks. And I think that um, I think that once you build that trust and they see that you're a safe, responsible firearm owner, yes, I do see where the, the curiosity can kick in. And they're like, hey, I would feel safe with this person taking me to the range, showing me the ropes, you know, how everything works, because I know what they're, they legitimately know what they're talking about. And then they know that they're good people and they, they care about safety. And that's uh, the most important for importance for a lot of people, right? Is that you know, I don't know people that have, most of the people that have this unreasonable fear, there's a reason it's an unreasonable fear is they're not educated, but until you can experience it, you don't, you don't really understand that. You don't understand just how silly it is to fear this inanimate object that may be sitting on a table or maybe it's in a rack at Bass Pro Shop or wherever. Yeah, I mean, I want to share uh, a personal story um, that gave me a lot of insight into how some anti-gunners and, and how some gun-curious people think. Um, so about eight years ago, um, yeah, I, I live here in the San Francisco Bay Area and I was at my home range, um, which is Richmond Rod and Gun Club, uh, giving a private lesson to a, a friend. Um, 
And so she wanted to learn how to shoot, you know, pistol, rifle, and shotgun. Say, you know, bring out, you know, my um, uh, of a Volkhorzen Scorpion, which is basically like a Ruger, um, like a Ruger Mark IV. Um, right. I brought my Ruger 1022. I brought my uh, AR-15, uh, my Moss, uh, my uh, Benelli M2, and then um, my Glock 34, and a few other, a few other pistols. Right, so. It started off on the 22s where I move our way up to the, to the nine millimeter pistols. And um, then she wanted to shoot shotgun. And so we end with the AR. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I remember, you know, just explaining to her, you know, all the, the manual of arms and, you know, how it all works. And so she fires her first shot. You know, I asked her to put the gun on safe and place it on the table. And I asked her, it's just a very standard question as an instructor that I ask all new students is, how did that feel? And the typical responses that I get are, you know, wow, you know, that was awesome or wow, that was loud or maybe it wasn't as loud, right? Like comments about the volume. Um, mm-hmm. It's in, it's not that much recoil and wow, like, can I, can I keep going? You know, sort of those are generally the kind of comments and responses that I get. Right. But this woman's response was and i've never received a response like this since her um you know training session with me she goes well i'm relieved and i go okay well tell me more what do you what are you relieved about and she goes i've heard so many bad things and seen so many bad things about the ar-15 that I was afraid that shooting this gun was going to make me feel evil and that it was going to compel me to go want to shoot and murder people. Wow. And I, I for a second just did not know what to say because I've never heard anything like that. But I, but I, I actually think a lot of anti-gunners think that they don't Mm -hmm. they don't know how to verbalize it as elegantly and as simply as my friend did right but right she gave me a lot of a lot of insight and i and i have um you know since then like talked to some anti-gun you know you know advocates and anti-gun you know people as you know i'm advocating for the second amendment and i i have i have gleaned from a lot of those conversations that yeah they right and, and we know what this we, we know what this feels like right this is this is when anti-gunners right accuse gun owners like me who own ar-15s of choosing my guns over dead children right right it is it is very much that disgusting and, and extremely offensive you know train of thought that demonizes gun owners right for a lot of anti-gunners it doesn't matter who owns the gun right and this this is a this is i think a a really important distinction Mm -hmm. for anti-gunners it often does not matter who owns the gun right if it's law-abiding citizens or if it's a criminal or a terrorist a lot of anti-gunners they just do not see the difference between good law-abiding citizens versus the criminals and so Mm -hmm. this is our cultural opportunity right like you're saying chris like we need to build trust amongst the non-gun owning population to show them that we're all normal people right and we you know shooting an ar-15 doesn't make you feel evil like if you're like that's just not how guns in general like right (laughs) 
shooting an AR-15 versus you know a, like a, a Mark 14 or or any other gun, like there's just not, it's not going to impact how you your bloodlust. Like that right. is one of the most crazy things that I that I've ever heard. But I understand it, right? But that that's and that, that's the important part. Like we need to understand her mentality, mm-hmm. and like that's what we're fighting up against. It's 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 an irrational conclusion and assumption that is very hard for us to break through right but the way we do it is right we 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 need to be compassionate we need to meet people where they are and explain to them in the most calmest of terms that here's how guns work and for those who are willing to go to the range like that's like that that i would say is a uh a pretty awesome ultimate goal but like that doesn't right. always happen right as as uh, many of us may know but um anyway yeah i wanted to share that story because um it, it really gave me a tremendous amount of insight into into the battle that we are all facing and uh, and maybe some insight in how we can move forward right and counteract yeah. uh misinformation uh false assumptions and uh, at minimum at least get the debate to a place where we're talking about facts and we're talking about real truths. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Well, my, my approach typically is I will call him a libtard shout, shall not be infringed. And I turn around and walk away. That's, that's, that's usually what I do. So that's, and then, that, you kick, and then you kick dirt on their shoes. Sure. That works exactly 0% of the time, <laughs> by the way, but, uh, no, I don't, I don't do that. Uh, you know, one thing that when you talk about meeting somebody where they're where they're at, I hear that a lot, and I hear me. You know, you got to meet somebody halfway, and this gets to be a a really popular thing sometimes with what I'm going to say if it's taken out of the right context. But compromise has become a very dirty word in pro two a circles. They hear anybody super pro two a or even slightly pro two a for that matter. will hear the word compromise and they cringe and they immediately go to, Oh, they're a rhino or they're this or they're that. So compromise when it comes to the government holding power over you, the government taking away your liberty and your rights and your freedoms and all this other stuff is one thing. Compromise when we talk about reaching somebody or we're talking about, you know, our personal lives and things that do not jeopardize, right, uh, our liberties and freedoms is a much different thing. So in that sense, I think that and, you know, the the work you helped out with some of the things we did with YouTube and and some other things with the gun tubers, um, you know, sometimes you got to be willing to go more than halfway. you got to be going to go a little further instead of meeting them where they're at, you kind of meet them well within their comfort zone or their, their territory. Um, and I think you got to be willing to do that. I'm not saying you have to do that, but I think that you have to be willing to go a little bit further than them sometimes if your goal is to truly reach them. Yeah. And, um, you know, sometimes the, these conversations uh, that I have with anti-gunners are, are, are well-intentioned. Um, but other times it, it is really not a, a conversation. Um, and the other side just wants to try and tell me I'm wrong. And I think, um, I, I call this out because like, I, I, I don't, I don't ever try and tell somebody that they're wrong. Um, because I, I just don't think that tactic and that, that general phrase is, is, is helpful. 
not saying right. I never use it, but I'm, my, my point is I often try and establish what is the point of this conversation that I'm having with this other person? And I'll ask someone right. like straight up, like, what are you hoping to achieve from this conversation? Like, do you want to have a discussion? Do you want to have a debate? Or are you just going to tell me your perspective, you know, your perception and, and not listen to me at all? Right. And yeah. if it's the latter, I, I'm depending on my mood, right? I might want to engage in that, but more times than not, like, I don't want to waste my time, right? If, if somebody right. is not wanting to have a conversation, like, forget about it. Like I have better things to do. And, and I think we often get trapped, right? In these conversations with people who do not want to have a discussion or a debate. Right? right. They just want to have an emotionally fueled one way argumentative experience where they're just telling you you're dumb, you're ignorant, you're ignorant, uh, you know, you're all these bad things. And that, frankly, again, is is not worth my time. And I don't know if it's worth other people's times either. Um, mm -hmm. And so on that point, though, you know, the polarization that we that we have been experiencing in our country is is terrible right it is it is at an all-time high and the problem here when people are not willing to talk to each other in like in like a real way right to have an open dialogue right, right we're, we're all getting factioned off right into these different camps i mean it is literally dividing our country um you know i i have had a lot of friends who've lost friendships over you know, all these issues, whether it's, you know, COVID masking, you know, gun rights, abortion, you know, it's like, I, I, I can't tell you the number of conversations that I've had with friends over the past few years where I said like, hey, like, I just straight out tell them like, I'm really appreciative of our friendship because we don't agree on a lot of things, mm -hmm. yet we're still friends. Like, like, if you called me and you needed me to drop everything that I'm doing, like, I will do that, even though we have these disagreements about all right. these things, like, I don't care, like, I just, and, and so that's the place, you know, Second Amendment aside, like, I feel like this is the place where we need to get our country back to is like, we yeah. need to learn how to agree to disagree and not let it ruin friendships, breaking apart families, destroying our country, like, this is the dark side of democracy, I think, right? Where it's like, sure, like everybody should be free, right? And and you know, is free to say what they want. Um, um but yeah, we we just can't let opinions we disagree with destroy us. Like that yeah. is that is that is that is the downfall of that. And we can't have obviously can't have the government coming in and like trying to solve for this. Like this, this problem has to be solved with me with you just with everyday americans constantly having the best interests of our communities in mind right and right. maybe the way that i can maybe more more um give a more like crystallized suggestion is i always like to ask myself when i'm interacting with either a new per for a new person my question in my mind is always how can I make a connection with this person, mm -hmm. right? And it could be the smallest of all connections, right? Uh, you like the same food that I'm that I like, or the same beer, or hey, like we grew up in the same state, right? Just any any little connection. Uh, mm -hmm. Obviously, I want more than that, but hey, like even if it's just that, right? So like 
have a positive right interaction with people so we all feel closer to each other and more trusting and um so that's that's just one one thought i want to share with listeners well it's and it's it's an interesting thing and what you say there i think is absolutely true but it's interesting because if you go back to the conversation we just had earlier uh, about you know the Asian Americans and you know bringing them in and they they feel more comfortable when they're you know there with you know people of their their same ethnicities and that sort of thing. That's a human trait. That's tribalism. That's a human trait. And so to an extent, all of the putting in boxes that we do um, many times and most times, I think we do it to ourselves, right? Mm-hmm whatever that be, whatever that is, whether it's, Oh, well, I like Glock. Well, I like CZ. It could be something that, that insignificant in the, in the scope of the world to whether it's race, right. Or whether it's sexual preference or whatever it might be. And you start putting yourself and other people in these little boxes and it may make you feel good or it may make a group feel good, you know, because of that tribalistic instinct. But that's also the same thing that is used oftentimes to divide people as well, because they don't realize that while you may check 30 boxes, you fall within a much larger box, right? Which is humanity, which is a United States citizen, which is a, you know, a, a freedom loving American, right? Like there's bigger boxes, I think, right. that we that we forget to focus on. We, we micro focus and that's where those divisions micro focusing is important. Because as you said, it, it makes people feel more comfortable that they have a, more in common and can usher them in. But then we need to quickly try to start transitioning to, okay, that's cool that these people are in, but we're part of a much bigger thing. Um, that and that and that speaks to me. That speaks also to the whole American experience, which is individualism, right? Like we all we all have our individual liberties. You know, and we all do things differently and we're allowed to do things differently and that should be celebrated. And oftentimes it's not, and whether it's the left or the right, politically speaking, um, there's so many, I mean, on the left, you know, whatever, Marxist, socialist, communist, libtard on the right, right? It's the bootlickers or it's the, <laughs> the fascist or something. You know what I mean? There's there's always this box that people want to throw you in. And so I, I'm just, I point that out to say it's kind of a two-way sword, if you know what I mean, uh, or a double-edged sword, if you know what I mean, because while it does usher people in, if we're not careful, we can get divided by that same thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And um, f- for me, <clears throat> I've really enjoyed the gun community um and 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 for 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 many reasons but one reason i want to highlight in the context of this conversation is one thing i i often will talk about um you know with media and uh with friends and such is you know i i have experienced way more diversity in the gun community than in the gay community Oh, wow. That's an interesting statement. Yeah. You know, uh, the gay community, you know, we often like to talk about, oh, right, right. We're diverse and we're inclusive. And, you know, it's just, it's just, I mean, yeah, they are to a certain extent, but, you know, I have just seen way more diversity and acceptance amongst the gun community 
Um, you know, most gun owners don't care that I'm gay, right? They don't care that I'm Asian. And I think that's great, right? I think that's mm -hmm. great that they're not, they're not necessarily the key characteristics that people are like, in, like they're not interacting with me because of uh, those traits necessarily. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I, I, I would much prefer to be judged on my character, on my accomplishments, right. Um, my morals, my ethics, and how I treat people, right? How I treat myself. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, I've just seen, yeah, I mean, the values of, of, of most gun owners are, right, they revolve around, you know, honor and, and loyalty and taking principled stands mm -hmm. uh, and, and very much a strong focus on family and friends. I mean, the whole point of the Second Amendment is, is, uh, is defense, right? Right. Whether it's yeah. defense against a tyrannical government or right our natural right to defend ourselves with a firearm preservation um, is the word that i that i most yeah. often use but yeah. yeah yeah and and um yeah it's 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 and so yeah this is all this it's been a wonderful i've had a wonderful opportunity um or you know wonderful experience rather you know being uh in the firearms industry and in the gun community um you know, a few years ago, actually, we should maybe touch upon the, some of the recoil controversy that um, right. that, I, that I was involved in. We're going to dig that up again. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, for listeners who aren't familiar, um, I was on the cover of Recoil Magazine, um, issue number 56, um, and it was a very controversial cover. Uh, I was in a black t-shirt with a uh, distressed American flag in LGBT colors. Uh, I was holding an AR-10 variant with this real badass <laughs> scope. <laughs> it's like a $10,000 like infrared scope. Um, but the main message was hashtag 2A for all. Right? The Second Amendment is for everyone. That was right. the entirety of what that cover art stood for. Um, and I and Recoil you know, took a lot of flack from... Uh, many parts of uh, of the gun community, you know, primarily, this is really interesting because it was, you know, primarily woke criticism, um, which I understand, right? I, I, I understand and can sympathize um, when Americans see corporations or media entities um, like kind of covering, sure, right, LGBT or, you know, uh, minority issues and whatnot. But you know, for me, this was this was very much about sending the signal, right, that the Second Amendment is for everyone. And what does that mean? Well, it means we're going to be talking about people who may not look like you, right? People who may not sound like you. And frankly, like, I don't really care if it comes from a corporation or, you know, from the firearms industry or from, you know, it's I, I think being inclusive is a really important message. Um, and, and like you said, Chris, I mean, it is very much a double-edged sword. Um, Recoil and I, right, sure, we took a lot of flack, but Recoil doubled down. Like, I will give them uh, all the credit in the world for not backing right. down from all of this, like, negative commentary on, on social media. Um, and they said, look, like, you know, I, I I have been a Second Amendment advocate for a decade at that point. Um, <laughs> you know, I've I've right. you know, done a lot, um, you know, for the community, for the industry. And I mean, I'm not, I haven't been perfect, right, by any means. But you know, point is, I'm not ashamed of 
you know, being on the cover of Recoil and the way I was. Um, I mostly look at that cover as art, mm -hmm. right? And yeah. when you think about art, whether it's music, a painting, a photograph, you know, what makes really great art? And for me, one thing that can make really great or make art really great is if it is controversial, mm -hmm. right? And and right. I know I've been maybe focusing a little bit on the negative, the detractors of the cover, but there was a tremendous amount of positive support, you know, mm -hmm. from the firearms industry. I had I had firearms industry executives, you know, pinging me, being like, "Wow, Chris, like this is amazing. Like I'm really proud of Recoil. Proud of you. Like you guys keep it up, you know." And then they're like, "Hey, Chris, yeah." Let me know, you know, if you've got a project going on in the future, you know, like these are coming from, you know, top tier firearms industry executives and, you know, um, like all our media friends and other industry friends. So like I, yeah, sure. Right. I got some negativity from, you know, random keyboard commandos, but, you know, mm -hmm. but, but the, you know, my friends and the firearms industry and community and, and, and professionals uh, saw a tremendous amount of support. Um, and that gave me a lot of confidence to say, well, this piece of art definitely struck a nerve, but it's a conversation that we need to have. And I don't want to, and I don't want to disregard the criticism that the cover received. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I guess the quick thing I'll, I'll, I'll say in response to the criticism is, yeah, I mean, we are again, back to just like not just the polarization in our country, but a lot of misinformation as well. And there was just some very strange things that I saw um, criticizing the cover. And, you know, it's like these um, age old criticism of equating uh, LGBT with like pedophilia, for example, like that is just the weirdest connection ever. And I mean, that's not a mainstream you know, LGBT thing. It was like, look, like pedophilia is like, I like, I, it's obviously disgusting. And I can't believe that, like, I'm talking about it. Like, this is not a thing that uh, I ever imagined, uh, you know, talking about. And I don't want to talk about it at all. Um, and, but I'm bringing it up because it's, it's not true, right? At, at the, the mass, the, the masses don't believe that, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, right. Like I'm an LGBT advocate. It's back to like, I'm a gun owner, but just because I'm a gun owner doesn't mean that I support terrorists. And just right. the way, same way that yeah. just because I'm gay doesn't mean that I support pedophiles. Like what the hell? Like that's not how being gay works. Like just how, right. like, that's not how owning an AR-15 works. Like this is not how being gay works. So right. Um, I don't appreciate the criticism of like conflating these two issues. I understand how it happens and I understand. Yeah, of course, like this is a, if you believe that to be true, of course, like that is incredibly upsetting. But I'm here to say on the record, like it's just not true. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, the left and liberals used to be the only ones who would get hyper emotional and have their brains disconnected right from, from their from their heads. And I hate to say it, but we've seen now like everybody on the right seems to literally be losing their minds and they stop thinking and they just let their emotions get the best of them. And they don't challenge yeah. or question these ridiculous things that they hear. Most it's all on social media, but it's like, come on, everybody. Like you can't just see some funny, you know, meme on Instagram and like take it as the truth. 
right like, yeah. what happened to us using our brains i mean it's like i right. said like the emotional thing used to be owned by the left but i'll be frank like the right is is actually just as emotional as as the left these days oh, yeah. and, and that's really concerning to me i want us yeah. to let's use our brains and and think more i don't want to say feel less because that sounds cold but yeah like maybe maybe uh think about how you feel maybe 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 that's a good right. way of putting yeah yeah i think you can be too emotional about things you know potentially uh let's shift gears we've got quite a few questions out there we're oh, gonna yeah, get let's, to those we're gonna get to those uh in just a second before we get to those let's do a little segment real quick here uh if i can find the right banner uh brought to you by our friends over at anderson manufacturing uh kyle was out there in the uh live chat earlier so may have to uh he may have to chime in here let us know where the bolt actions from anderson are at kyle uh but uh yeah anderson soon to release hopefully the uh the bolt guns in 30865 Creed, in the way I understand, I think 300 Winchester Magnum, which is the one that I'm going to have my eye on, of course. Uh, and then uh, you've got the Kigers, you've got the uh, the ARs in varying calibers. Uh, really digging uh, still uh, my little PCC, the AM9. So uh, thanks to um, Anderson for that. So. Uh, gonna put you on the spot here with a few things real quick, Chris, and then we'll get to those, uh, get to those questions and get the heck out of here. Uh, we're going to start this one out. What was your first firearm? Um, well, I can answer that in two parts. Uh, the first gun that I shot was a Ruger single six. Uh, it's a 22 revolver. It's, it's my dad's oh, gun. Nice one. Um, yeah. You know, that, that was my, my, my first, first gun. If you want to think of it that now, way, he but... had, he had that one as long as you can remember or was that something you remember him buying uh no so he bought it in um i was born in 1979 uh he bought it in 18 uh 18 <laughs> 1981 um after the reagan assassination attempt oh and, okay you know here in cal it's so funny right like and freaked you know, him out a little bit history repeats itself right so yeah. after the reagan assassination attempt there was chatter about gun control here in the state and that they were going to ban handguns and so right. my dad now my dad he served in the navy and you know he learned how to shoot um in the military um but he was a p3 orion navigator so he flew planes and didn't like mm -hmm. actually shoot guns in the service but the point is right. you know he wasn't planning on buying a gun until all the gun control chatter started up and right I had just been born and my dad said to himself, okay, well, I should have, uh, I should have guns in the house to be able to protect my family. Right. Like right. classic yeah. and very reasonable, yeah. um, uh, thing to do. And like I said, he wouldn't have bought those. He, he may not have bought any guns had, uh, the gun grabbers started yammering about gun control and trying to ban all handguns here in California. Right. Right. Um, but then my, my, the first gun that I purchased is a SIG P226. Okay. Um, very nice. I, I literally have some uh, replacement hand grips for my 226, like right next to my desk. Oh, oh there you go. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, so that's <laughs> a, it's a great gun. Um, oh. Yeah, I mean, I'm primarily a Glock shooter. <laughs> Glock 34 is my competition pistol for three gun uh, USPSA. But yeah, the SIG 226, man, what a great gun. Um, I, I will never uh, sell that, sell that gun. I mean, that that's, 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 uh, that's going to be with me till, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm oh, yeah. married with it. <laughs> yeah. You've got to, got to hang on to your first, uh, first vehicle. 
first vehicle. Um, boy, this is sounding like a security question. Like someone's trying to like hack my account. I haven't asked your mother's maiden name. Yeah, I haven't right. asked your best friend in high school or your pet's name. Yeah, so I'm not going to answer good. super specifically here uh, because <laughs> it is a security question. But I will say um, that my first car was, um, you know, I got it when I was 15 and a half, which was the legal age for driver's permit. You know, back mm -hmm. when I was growing up in yeah, California. Right. Um, and I got a used car. It was a hand-me-down, you know, from my parents. And, um, I'll just say it was one of the safest vehicles on the road that also did not get any kind of positive attention from my friends. Cause it was not a cool car to be driving, so <laughs> but very it. safe, um, and very reliable. Um, and I, right. you know, I look back fondly, uh, on that car, but, uh, yeah, is um, it, it, it treated me well and it got me from point A to point B very, very safely every single day. So, so American or foreign manufacturer, or are you For, to say for that? foreign manufacturer? Foreign I, manufacturer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, and by the way, these are just for fun. So you can totally caveat the answers, Chris, however you want to yeah, sure answer thing. these. But uh, f favorite cartridge? Hmm. That is an excellent question. So the first, the first novelty cartridge that I purchased, and I guess I it's sort of my favorite because it's the most novel that I that I have, and I still think right. it's a lot of fun. Um, is the fifty Beowulf? Oh, nice! Right, fifty Beowulf is like it's even still like it is such a random random round. Um, right. I have a uh, I have an AR upper that is chambered in 50 Beowulf and um yeah it's 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 got so much um energy though it's it's like it's like um a high powered shotgun slug like coming like right. it just yeah it it really does a number on your body um and it's a hunting round. I mean, that's one of the main uh, applications for 50 Beowulf. Um, right. I don't shoot it very often, but it's 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 my favorite because it was my first novelty round uh, that 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 I bought. Yeah. Right. Uh, favorite founding father. Favorite founding father. Huh. I mean, I guess I, I, I can't I, say I, all of them. That's cheating now. Yeah, yeah. No, I guess I guess I gotta go. I feel like this is an old school answer, and just say George Washington. Yeah, and, that's a popular one. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like not just because of his military service, but you know, in particular, there was a point um, of his presidency where everyone wanted him to run for a third term, and he said right. no. Right. He yeah. said, he said no, and. Well, they wanted him to be king at first. Much, <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah. yeah. But, right, I mean, how humble is it for someone to turn down a position of power like that, mm -hmm. right? And right. understanding the implication of his decision that it would become a part of, of, of right, term limits in our country. Um, and I, I support term limits. I mean, oh, my gosh, look at members, some members of Congress. They, they oh, man, we... We should we should we should be uh, term limiting. I think all <laughs> all elected right. officials, <laughs> right? Yeah. Maybe I, I don't know that you could put less than a one 
term limit, but I, there, there's, it's possible we need something like negative two term limit. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Uh, with some of these, uh, he's chilled out there. Says uh, he's going to add to it. Says uh, super specifically, what's your favorite twelve digit number? <laughs> oh my gosh, that that oh. that is um, oh lord, um, that's a fun question. I, I don't, don't have answer any. that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> We need to give we need we need to give you give us yeah twelve digit alphanumeric you know twelve character alphanumeric uh, phrase here please if you don't mind Chris <laughs> uh, gosh let's uh let's get over thanks again to um, Anderson Manufacturing and Kyle by the way uh, from Anderson is out there listening right now live so Kyle is in the house. So, uh, yeah, thanks to uh, Anderson. We're going to get to the uh, questions now. You guys that threw them out there, thank you for that. Really do appreciate it uh, if I could find the right tab. Uh, so, uh, we got, so, it looks like we got a 2A here, and then the rest are top shot. Go figure. Um, so, we've got uh, one from G-Webs here, Chris. He says, uh, uh, Chris has been around a while. He's uh, seen and been a part of the 2A fights with both wins and losses. Where does Chris think we are in 2023 and how are we as a community group headed into 2024? Yeah, uh, this is a really great question and, and uh, thanks for, for, for putting it forward. Um, yeah. So the main things that, that come out to that, that come to mind for 2023 um, on the judicial side of things, we are in a very good place. The Supreme court is starting to look at, um, there's more and more gun cases that are coming to the Supreme Court, and I think there's going to be some big decisions that are going to happen in, in future years. This year, though, is about setting the stage, right? It's about lower so, yeah. courts pushing up um, you know, challenges to assault weapons bans and magazine capacity restrictions. Um, and, and so the Supreme Court, some members, such as uh, you know, Clarence Thomas, has uh, been very clear about his desire for the court to hear more Second Amendment cases, um, and and uh, at the state level, right, we're starting to see some movement in the in a good direction, such as here in California. Last week, a uh, federal judge knocked down California's assault weapon ban and deemed it unconstitutional. Obviously, the the state is appealing that, um, but I have a feeling, right, eventually this is going to make it to the Supreme Court. Um, but on the downside, you know, for, for 2023, um, I, I think about the NRA, uh, and how weakened it, it, it still is. And, um, you know, look, I, I, I'm a lifetime NRA member, um, and, and the NRA has done some very wonderful things, right? Like let's, let's not forget, um, you know, the good things that the NRA has done for, for gun rights, but you know, in the past few years, like, I don't know, it's, it's, it's been, uh, lots of PR challenges. Um, I think there are some very hard decisions that the NRA needs to make very soon if they're going to come out of this um, still a, a strong organization. I mean, they're. Yeah, I would they, agree. They are. They are. There's just a lot of self-inflicted, you know, I'll say unforced errors that <laughs> I personally feel you know the NRA is making, and and you know people are starting. Um, not starting. I mean, like you know, the 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 media coverage, right, of the lawsuit um, in New York City. I mean, that is that is just a mm -hmm. huge financial drain. It's 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 terrible PR. Um, now, on the flip side, though, 
I mean, the NRA's absence, um, not absence, but, you know, their reduced effectiveness has opened up an opportunity for other gun rights groups to, to really step up and, and, and fill the void. And, and to be frank, like this is probably for the best in the long term, right? Instead of having mm-hmm. just one primary gun rights organization like the NRA, you know, right? If something happens to the NRA, like it's sort of what's happening now, like we need to have a strong network of other right. Second Amendment groups who can, right, we can collectively move the ball forward. Um, so I, I have faith that the NRA will will fix, you know, things and, and get their house in order. Um, but I don't think that's ha- going to happen anytime soon, unfortunately. Right. It just seems like they're going <laughs> to let the lawsuit play out. Um, and yeah. so, right, as we go into 2024, I think we're going to still see the NRA, um, you know, struggling. Um, and, and I don't, I don't want to see that. I, I don't like what's happening. Um, but, uh, the other thing I think to note about 2024 is, um, yeah, I, I guess I've just seen a lot of optimism just amongst, um, amongst gun owners at, you know, mm-hmm. the NRA show at shot show in Vegas, um this is you know things are um looking a little bit more on 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 the up and up you know gun sales or uh, you know firearm sales are are you know been doing pretty well i mean there's obviously like ups and downs um yeah. summer slump is a is a thing so i think mm-hmm. a lot of folks realize that yeah it's getting a little better now yeah but um yeah i'm i, I would say in general uh i'm optimistic about heading into 2024 with respect to um, the fight for our second amendment rights for getting new types of gun owners into the shooting community. Um, I think the pandemic for uh, a lot of people made them um, seriously question whether they uh, should become a first time gun owner, right? The the pandemic was a very uncertain time for many Americans. There was a lot of civil unrest and violence in many parts of our country and and you know a lot of these um these questions around gun ownership that people have been asking have converted into becoming a gun owner and so the challenge the challenge now in particular with these first-time gun owners is we need to get them to to go get trained right to go to the range um as we all know buying a gun and living in the safe is not the way that it's going to keep you safe, right? You've got to train, you've got to learn, right? You've got to learn the basics. You've got to train and, and keep training mm-hmm. also. Um, and so that that is um, one of the biggest challenges that we will see in 2024. You know, there was about 14 million new first-time gun owners between 2021 and, and 2022. So you can imagine, right? It's like 14 million new gun owners. Like right. we, we need we need them to stay with it. Right. And mm-hmm. the, they, the yep. way they stay with it is that right, they, they go to the range, they exactly. you know, practice, they meet other gun owners, right. They become a part of their local clubs. They join the NRA, they join firearms policy coalition or SAF or any of the other, uh, you know, GOA. There's lots of great second amendment groups out there. So mm-hmm. yeah, that, that's, that's what I, what I see in, uh, in store for us coming into next year. Solid. Uh, she fires out there. Uh, going back to uh, the whole Top Shot Day thing. Uh, from uh, from Google to Bass Pro, as far as the transition from, you know, cubicle office job type to now you're on the pro circuit, like, 
what what was that transition like i think is what she's asking yeah oh it was it was phenomenal i mean I, i'm a native californian and um uh, 10 years ago you know i traveled to a lot of parts of the country but mostly on the coasts and mostly you know like illinois like chicago basically and and, and colorado but a lot of these three gun matches are in the deep south um uh went to oregon a lot um went to arizona um and, and it was just so fun i mean the Got three gun circuit and really you know, all these different circuits right whether we're talking about uspsa or idpa or you know cowboy action um steel challenge right all of these disciplines become family right and 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 very close friends because right me and other three gunners right we're traveling to all the same matches right right i'm seeing some of my fellow three gun competitors more than i see some of my friends you know back in the you know here in san francisco <laughs> where i live right um, and so it's incredibly fun you know for me i love traveling and i love experiencing new things and new cultures and you had to go from yeah like cubicle work and in silicon valley to being outdoors you know shooting three gun matches you know i'm I'm squatted with jerry michelik right one of the best shooters of all time and like yeah, he and, and me and, and Kay and Lena, like his daughter, like we're, we're all friends. Like I never thought that, I don't know, I live a, it was a very charmed life, right? To be yeah. shooting professionally for a living, to be able to um, make great friends and have this privilege of having somebody else pay for me to go, right. to go yeah. not just socialize, yeah. but go shoot, you know, represent, you know, Bass Pro Shops, who's a phenomenal sponsor. Um, I can't thank Bass Pro enough for for providing me with uh, such an incredible opportunity of a lifetime. Yeah, uh, we got a bit of a salty one here from uh, the Top Shot days. Ghost <laughs> says, "Was uh, was Greg, Greg Littlejohn as much of a dramatic d bag in real life uh, as he was on the camera?" And I think Ghost is actually watching season four, rewatching it uh, currently because uh, we had a conversation the other night about it. Uh, you ever had yeah. any any on camera, off camera, whatever issues? Yeah, with, with yeah. Little John. And, and for for listeners who may not know who Greg Littlejohn is, so he was like my chief competition on Top Shot season four. Um, yeah, I don't want to. I, I don't want to have any. Well, I mean, whatever. I'll, I'll I'll give some spoiler alerts. Um, well, Ghost yeah. has already seen it, but you know, for yeah, others, yeah. plug your ears right yeah. now, everybody else. Plug your ears if you don't already know that I won my season. Right. <laughs> so, right. Like there really are no spoilers here. Um, Greg, Greg, but the fu the fun, basically the fun competitive arc was that Greg was the first head to head competitor of the season for me. Like I, he and I went head to head. Um, and then this, the finale, the final challenge, it was me and Greg going head to head. And we both, you know, had our ups and downs, you know, our wins and our losses throughout the entire season. But it was, it was really cool, right? To, to, to go through that and like, and the end, right? It was me and him, you know, head to head. Um, so to answer the question, yes, he was as dramatic. <laughs> in real life as he was uh, on camera but you know he's a really good dude he's a really really good dude and you have to remember with everything on tv that they are taking 
they're 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 they're, they're they, like they literally have to create an impression they're going to the gin viewer. up the drama is what you're kind of what you're saying like reality tv is not reality folks it's it's yeah it's 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 a it's a, <laughs> yeah. it's a snapshot yeah. and a very slim view of who someone really is and if yeah you know the way i like to explain greg and like greg's persona on tv is can you imagine if some producer filmed all the worst things that you say and then put them together? <laughs> right. Like I'm gonna do that with this podcast, by yeah. the way. I'm gonna chop it up. It's gonna be it's gonna be amazing in replay, folks. You don't want to miss that. You'll hear Chris Jang say all kinds of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. I mean, it's like we've all said some pretty dumb, terrible things throughout our lives. Um and, and yeah, right. I mean, Greg said some kind of ridiculous things on on the show, but he's a <laughs> he's a he's a great dude. Um, you know, he served with the Air Force, um, and uh, he was a worthy competitor. I mean, he he has the 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 the, the, the winning mindset, um, but more importantly, he doesn't give up. Right? So I think it's easy. To have a winning mindset right who doesn't want to win i mean some people like sure. kind of yeah. maybe convince themselves that they're not good enough or whatever and and they're self-defeatist uh, which i can empathize with but the don't quit attitude right greg yeah. um fell behind right in so many like moments of me and him going head to head and you know i'd be ahead and then i would be way ahead right in certain parts of, of challenges and all of a sudden, like, here he comes. Like, he's he's making his way back when right. a lot of people would just throw in the towel and, and little John would just, just stay at it and he wouldn't give up. Um, and I I extremely appreciate that in a competitor, right? Oh, yeah. I don't want yeah. I don't yeah. want to win because somebody just gave up. That's yeah. that's lame, right? Yeah. You yeah. you want to go against someone who's gonna give it their all and they're literally going to keep going until the whistle blows or right the the bell rings or you know the the last target has been mm -hmm. hit and so yeah that's yeah. that's greg little john for you awesome uh wes out there uh says on top shot which challenge trainer did you enjoy working with the most yeah um jack dagger jack dagger is an impalement specialist meaning <sighs> any pointy weapons like knives spears axes like he, he he's an impalement champion like there's an impalement championship like a you know, competition he's like a uh -huh. champion for that yeah. um so on my season um in a in an, an elimination challenge we had an atlatl weapon yep. um for those of you who don't know what an atlatl is it's essentially a throwing spear that you use um a, a, a stick with a notch at the end of it and you basically use that stick to create additional um you know velocity and 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 speed to chuck this spear um and yeah you know it was man's first weapon system they'd be hunting you know large game because uh, these spears right they're like six feet tall and right. i mean like you know like inch in diameter with uh you know pretty gnarly you know sharp pointy stabby things that will you know right. <laughs> so jack, job done. yeah jack has been jack dagger has been i think on all five seasons of top shot um great dude great instructor right and i mm -hmm. think that was um you know for, for for me 
going into an elimination challenge and knowing, or really not just any of these challenges where we have a trainer, there's not a lot of time, right? At most, you're getting an hour, right, of of uh, of training with the um, with the trainer. And if he can't explain how to use this weapon system in a way that makes sense to you, right, you're 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 going to have problems, right, in the in the actual challenge. Um, learning how to throw an atlatl is one of the craziest things that I think I've ever had to learn. I'd never heard of this weapon, had zero experience with an atlatl, but Jack was really good at relating the mechanics to things that I did know. So right. Uh, I'm a baseball player. I play golf. Uh, I'm a musician. And so uh, all of those activities, I'm used to orienting my body and under I have, you know, good spatial awareness, right? Mm -hmm. Where is the ball in relation to the bat? Where are my fingers on the strings, you know, compared to my bow, all these, all these kind of things. And so um, we over, he helped me create a framework to overlay my sports and musical backgrounds. Uh, and, and, and we, created this way so i could throw oh, wow. at yeah. lateral and and just crush it like i i, I just yeah. did so well in that at lateral competition and i've jack dagger to thing for that right um and uh you know keep in keep in mind that uh the at lateral also protected by the second amendment just saying it says arms it says arms <laughs> indeed <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> uh, so we got a couple more out there. So you get that one here. We got a couple more out there, and then we'll get the heck out of here. They'll start duo. Uh, what was your favorite historical firearm that you were able to shoot on the show? Oh yeah, ooh yeah. This is a great question. I mean, Top Shot was so amazing, right? Where they bring in weapons from all periods and eras of history and put us in these amazing challenges. Um, you know, I, I, I got to say the M1919 machine gun. Of course. And I mean, <laughs> not only is it a machine gun that is so fun to shoot, but they mounted this M1919 on a World War II half track. Mm -hmm. We had 100 rounds and we're going 25 miles an hour down this course of fire. And they had 20 exploding targets that, well, when we hit it, they would explode. But so while we're like, you know, rumbling down this, you know, this road at 25 miles an hour with this, you know, mounted M1919, um, right. they created simulated explosions and mortars yes. and grenades and all this stuff. So, you know, there was this, the, the smoke, the smells, the sounds. It was very disorienting, right? We're moving. Um, it's a bumpy road and, and trying to hit these targets with this machine gun, um, was just a quintessential top shot experience that really <laughs> brought that weapon to life for me right it's um i was never very good at history in school because right so much of history is this you read a book you're memorizing facts and you're just trying to pass the test or maybe you write some kind of essay right, right. about some historical moment um but for me uh i'm, I'm a more you know, kind of tangible like i learned by doing right if i can touch it if i can see it and so shooting the m1919 in a simulated you know world war ii battlefield was uh it just made me appreciate like what this historical weapon was about and 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 how difficult it must have been right for our soldiers right to to use right use this weapon in in, in many wars so i mean i think uh, 
if we're talking about right the like why is history important right for us to uh, not just learn about these facts and figures, but to but to experience right to really feel firsthand what it's like to be right shooting this gun in a you know of course there's a simulation you know simulated battlefield and I'm you know but like that was that was incredible and like that that was right. what made Top Shot so incredibly fun and not just not just for the competitors but for the viewers too right it's like y'all right. were learning and like seeing this like right there with me which is um there's no other tv show that that's that's been like it and and, and not any other show that's been like it since right um i have saved the the most important question and also uh -huh. probably the most the most softball i, I see this for, question in the uh in the little side for, room. Uh, yeah, yeah for last but uh, <laughs> uh tony simon out there uh what's Heck up tony yeah. He says, who's Chris's favorite largest pound for pound gun bunny? And why is it Tony Simon? So that is, his, his plug in there. That is an excellent <laughs> question. And when I when I saw that question in the in the comment field um uh, earlier, I was like, no, I don't, I don't, I don't do the gun bunny thing. But then I read the, the second part of the of the question, like, oh, well, of course, like there is one exception for the gun bunnies that I do love. And yes, it it is it is Tony Simon. Tony, great to hear from you. Um, yeah, Tony has been uh, a wonderful friend, someone who's done tremendous things for the Second Amendment community and is absolutely helped, uh, in New Jersey, in New, in up in New Jersey, mm -hmm, New Jersey. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, right the 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 shooting events uh, that he's held, uh, right for for new shooters and, and you know focusing on diversity and and reaching yep. out to these non-typical you know gun owners or oh, yeah. first-time shooters yeah tony simon you're the man yeah. thanks for yeah. all that you've done yeah we uh we we have tony on every now and then tony's my fud brother whenever <laughs> I, I have you don't want people to know that uh but uh he could talk he take he could talk a good single shot shotgun and uh uh air air gun pellet rifle game for sure tony can don't let him don't let him fool you with any tactical talk <laughs> uh but uh yeah we usually when i bring him on that yeah, we went for what an hour 20 minutes now mostly on the second amendment but one of the things that we do when tony comes on is we try to talk very little second amendment obviously we want to pimp his projects and stuff because they're so important but he talks so much to a that it's like we're going to take a break just talk fud stuff tony yeah. <laughs> we're just going to talk nice. about different guns and and things like that so we always have fun with tony when he's on it gotta get you back out bro maybe next season um gonna give you because this is the longest episode this season go figure uh, hey now so congrats it probably will be the longest episode because <laughs> uh but i've had fun time got away from us usually time does not get away from me but on this one it absolutely did so everybody out there live you got some extra everybody out there in replay you got some extra bam but if uh if folks want to uh follow top shot chris uh all the different projects that you've got going uh how do they do that chris yeah i uh, got my website topshotchris.com and uh social media and youtube at topshotchris and the website can they get to the organization through the top shot chris website or is that going to be something totally different that's a great question i yeah i have not updated my website recently yeah so um if you're interested in the asian pacific american gun owners association that is apa goa.org 
Uh, I'm on uh, a co-founding board member for APA GOA. Uh, I'm also a board member for the Pink Pistols, if anyone's interested in learning more about the Pink Pistols. Um, and then I'm also on the advisory council for the Second Amendment Foundation. So that's SAF.org. Um, yeah, all, all wonderful organizations if you're interested in learning more. Since you're on the board and you did mention them, uh, Pink Pistols has a database uh, on their website. They still have that, right? Where you can sign up to be a, to help out local folks that may be first-time firearm owners. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um, it's this project called Operation Blazing Sword. Right. Um, and so, yeah, it's a Google map where firearms instructors can voluntarily uh, right, put their contact information into this Google map. Uh, database and it's searchable by anybody who uh, wants to find a, fi a you know a, a pro LGBT um, you know firearms instructor and um, yeah there's over 1800 uh, instructors uh, who put their contact information in this Google Maps database um, yeah so it's been yeah pretty pretty awesome yeah thanks chris it's um I've, I've had a couple of people reach out i've had a couple of people out to the range awesome. and you I say you say pro you know lgbt i think as long as you're indifferent as long as you don't care you just you're okay with somebody like it didn't even come up the couple of people i had that come out like they were a human that was interested in firearms like i don't freaking care it didn't even it's not like we talked about their sexual preferences or anything. Sure. They come out just like, oh, cool. You bought this. Oh, cool. Well, let me show you this and that and this. Like none of that stuff ever come up. Folks. Yeah. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, you know, what's interesting, you know, for, for a lot of gay people, um, you know, there is this general overriding fear of being discriminated against because of your of your sexual orientation. Mm -hmm. And so it's not that a lot of gay people necessarily want to like talk about being gay like when they're shooting guns or doing anything else it's just they just don't want to be discriminated against right they don't they right. don't want to feel uh ostracized right they don't want to be made fun of so it's it's yep. it's uh more of a hey right i'm a gay person i just want to learn how to shoot from someone who's not gonna like call me a f or like some other like degrading word um and right just be able to like have a good time right and yeah right. learn learn the the trade learn the skill learn the craft right no exactly yeah it's, it's about uh it's about the firearms it's about the shooting sports it's about the second amendment um chris thanks for coming on again yeah man. thanks Appreciate for having it. me on as always that was a great Had great fun. great uh great time here and uh, i guess we'll actually get to see you at shot you're headed to shot yes. in january I'm yeah yeah i'll be there in a few months yeah we'll catch up mm -hmm. then in person nice get our uh man hugs in and, and we'll be good for Indeed. a year <laughs> <laughs> we, we won't invite tony though yeah he's 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 gonna have to uh he's gonna have to do something uh, special like you know uh, round 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 of beers round of beers on on tony i think we'll I think run a we'll run a nice big bubble bath beforehand and tony right. will not be able to resist the bubble bath likes, i think he likes lavender or is it pine i remember what scent he likes it's got to be lavender is much more girly than pine it's got to be lavender <laughs> It's got to be, right? <laughs> awesome. Chris, uh, again, thanks for uh, thanks for hanging out with us, man. Appreciate it. You got it. Thanks again. And, uh, yeah, that's going to do it again. The largest, the longest, the largest, the largest, the longest. I guess it depends on how you look at it, right? Uh, episode so far this season, uh, and probably will be 
the uh, longest episode. But Chris, always a lot of fun. Uh, go check everything out that he mentioned without a freaking doubt. Go check that out. Uh, very awesome. Thanks for all the questions. Thanks for all the comments. Simon, uh, Simon, Tony out there does say definitely lavender. I knew it, Tony. I knew it. Uh, again, big thanks to uh, Mostrum Tactical. Big thanks to Anderson Manufacturing. If you listen this long, you've heard the spill on those guys. So uh, if you see them around, tell them thank you. Thanks to the Patreon patrons, the YouTube channel members, everybody that has went an hour in nearly 30 minutes in replay. We love you. Uh, tomorrow we've got um, Susan Myers, unapologetically armed, that we will be recording with. So uh, if you join us live, join us again tomorrow for that. If you're in replay, then look for that to drop here in the next couple of days. Another 2A conversation uh, today with Chris and then tomorrow with Susan. So back to back. Uh, we will see you then. Until next time, do not forget to chain fire freedom. Bye. We appreciate the Patreon patrons and YouTube channel members who keep these podcasts going. If you're looking for cool stickers, patches, and other gear, be sure to check out clovertack.com. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Clovertack Podcast. <laughs>